Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Lemitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 172 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studio. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside me, Kevin Bohannon, and we thank you, as always, for joining us. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, be sure and hit that subscribe button on whatever form you're listening to, so that way you are notified whenever we release an episode. And if you could be so kind to leave us a review along with some star power, really helps us get our name out there. On this episode, we're going to be talking some baseball and basketball. And in segment two, we're going to be joined by Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook Assistant Editor Blake Lovell. He's going to be talking with us about the Razorbacks, the way that they have improved from the beginning of SEC play up until now as one of the hottest teams in the country. And Kevin, I know this is your time of year. you got some nice weather this week in the 60s, 70s, got some sunshine, and it is baseball time in high school. And, of course, we've already got it going on in college, and the pros are going to be uh, batting up here pretty soon. So I know this is uh, the kind of year that you long for. Yeah, spring training started last week with uh, the pros getting their games going. And then, of course, college baseball is rip-roaring and ready to go this weekend against Murray State. And, of course, we had high school baseball finally get underway. As I said on 103.7 The Buzz last night with uh, Randy Rainwater, I said it's been a long year for a lot of these young men. The class of 2020 was so talented. We were looking forward to seeing them play. Unfortunately, they didn't get to, but that just means that the young ones behind them get to step up this year at some really good tournaments across the state, the PBR tournament that's held in all four corners of the state. And then you also have the Benton tournament, which hosts Little Rock Catholic, North Little Rock, Benton, Sheridan, some really good baseball early on this year, Kyle. Yeah, and it's I know that the baseball now everybody track of course basketball got a lot of theirs taken away towards the end of the season mainly for college and well I guess all the way around pro high school college and baseball it's like they played I know that the Razorbacks and most colleges played around 15 to 16 games but it was about this time last year and I guess another week or so that everything began to get shut down those infamous conference tournaments when some of them had just played one game like in Arkansas's case you play Vanderbilt and then you get told that your season's done or in the case of my our former coach Mike Anderson goes into halftime of a conference championship or a conference title game there in the Big East, and uh, you don't end up coming back out. And uh, it's it was just a really tough time, one that we will never forget. But it looks like so long as uh, you know we we kept talking about whenever 
football season was still on, that we just got to get through it. And we got through that full season, not without some a little bit of kinks here along the way. But yeah, I think that so long as now that we the vaccine is out there, now that we kind of know some of the protocols, it looks like that we will uh, be able to at least finish basketball and get through the young baseball season. But guys, before we get started, I want to let you know that we are brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. March Madness, as I just mentioned, is right around the corner. Plus, the NBA and NHL are in full swing, and our friends at Bet Online are your premier spot to place your bets. Anything from awards, TV shows, and even reality TV. Bet Online has hundreds of props with real time odds on almost anything you can imagine. You can also get online virtually through the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag to receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And Kevin, we'll talk first off. I want to touch on the basketball team. Now, we're going to talk in the next segment with Blake Lovell, as I mentioned, but I want to just mention what where this Razorback team is currently. You know, you're the second seed. You're the number 12 player. They're the 12th ranked team in the country. Many say that we should even be in the top 10, which it's really hard to disagree with that right now. But now with their seeding, let's go ahead and pull this up here. I think believe with uh, next week, so since you're the number two seed, yeah, I've got this right here. So right now, if you haven't seen the schedule for the SEC tournament for the Razorback games, this is all central time. We've got 6 p.m. on SEC Network, Saturday, 2 p.m. on ESPN, and then the championship game on uh, Sunday at uh, 12 p.m. on ESPN as well. So, Kevin, I, th- I really like our chances. I-, I know that some people are saying that Lenardi has us there at the three seed. I'm not necessarily sure that I believe we're going to get the three seed unless we actually do win the SEC. I think so long as you beat A&M that you're a guaranteed five seed. Maybe pretty solidified to be a four. But if you beat A&M, you're a, sol- you're a solid five seed. If you win maybe a game and get to the semifinals of the SEC tournament, then I think that you're probably going to be a solidified four seed. But it's very hard for me to believe that we're going to get the love of, of that three seed by the the national analyst. I'm there with you. And the, the big thing about this is clinching that double by, like we talked about early in the season. If they can get that, that only gives them three games to win it all. And that gives them a little bit of built-in rest to where the other teams don't have. The other eight, they're – they have to play a lot of basketball in, in four days to win. So it is good that they get the break. I'm with you. I think at worst they're a five, and I think if they win it, they're a three. And it could fall anywhere in between there. You do, you're going to have six SEC teams make it, but with the level of play kind of being drugged down by Tennessee and some of those projections early on, you know, there's no Kentucky in there, so – Overall, it looks like it's a down year, but you still get six teams, if that makes any sense. Alabama's going to be a two or three. So, yeah, I think anywhere between three and five, and that's something that we haven't seen in a long time. Growing up, it was, are they going to be a one or two, and are we going to be mad if they're not a one or two? So, yeah, we haven't seen this type of ranking and seeding since, you know, 1998. Good place to be in. It is. Do something with it. And, and right now in the latest turn, I know that I didn't see North Carolina. I don't even think I saw North Carolina on our side of the bracket, and let alone in our region. I, I believe it was uh, in our region, Iowa, was the two seed. So you'd have to match up with them, uh, I believe, in the Sweet 16 is what it was looking like. Now, if we make the Elite Eight, there's a chance we could match up with Michigan. And that see, that one's really interesting because in the 90s, when they had the Fab Five, now – I don't know, Kevin, if you remember this. Now, I don't really remember the 1994 season. I was only four years old. I do remember the Scotty Thurman. Yep. Well, we played them in the Elite Eight. And I actually yeah, have seen – They were the Fab 
before then. Yeah, they, yeah. Chris Webber had just gone pro. This was the year after the infamous timeout that they didn't have in the national championship game against North Carolina. And I do stand by that. I understand this is one of those coulda, shoulda, woulda talks. I'm going to make a lot of Razorbacks fans mad. But if we did not, or if they would have had Chris Webber, Chris Webber and Jawan Howard would have been able to take – Corliss didn't really play that good of a game. Jawan Howard had a double-double. He was like 30-12 and 12 or something like that. So the fact that C-Webb didn't play in that game really did help. But they did have four. Like you said, they were the Fab Four. They did have four of their guys. And so I, you're crazy to think if you if Juwan, if you think that Jawan Howard does not take this game personally, you know that that's going to be in the back of his mind or probably at the front of his mind if that were to actually happen. But I'll tell you, Michigan is a. I've actually watching them as we're recording, and they are a as complete a team as, as you can think of. Jawan Howard, I thought was just going to be another one of those players like Patrick Ewing. He's not really doing too good of a job at his alma mater, Georgetown. I thought that he, that Jawan would just be. Another one of those guys that was a great player that they hired really for the name, and he has really proved me wrong. I think right now their 2022 class ranking for recruiting is is either first or second. I know they've got a couple of five stars, so they've done a really good job. But more so than anything, I bring all that up. I know that I believe it was North Carolina A&T or one of those schools in North Carolina, somewhere on the East Coast, that we are matched up with as of right now. Again, that will change after the conference tourney, depending on if we get that third, fourth, or fifth seed. But you've also got VCU in there. I mean, I liked a lot of the matchups that I saw. But the fact that you just – I know that most Razorback fans – or we're looking to see if North Carolina was anywhere near there. And I know that when you look at that and, and don't see them, that kind of makes you have a little bit of a sigh of relief. Definitely. Yeah. We, we've had some heartbreak over the years and it goes back to the 1993 season when Arkansas, it was Corliss and Scotty's freshman year. We were sweet 16 team. Nobody really knew what was going on. We were, it was a little lull in between the May day and the Corliss and Scotty years and North Carolina beat us that year on their way to a national title like you just mentioned so and then the heartbreak you know a couple of years ago with Macon and Barford so it, it's good to see that we, we may skip out on them uh, I, I do not like those 512 matchups and everybody know that that's your bracket buster special right there uh, every year there's always a chance and some years three out of four where the 12 seed upsets the five so if we can stay off that line I think we've got a really good shot Usually a 12 seed is a really high mid-major that won their or mid-level school that won their conference title, or it's an at-large bid. So if you can get those smaller schools, I think we got a better shot at getting the Sweet 16. And as far as the women go, they are a six seed playing number 11, uh, the number 11 seed, Ole Miss. Now they are tipping off like right around the time as we're recording. So we'll talk more about what they do end up doing with Porter. I know that he's covering all of that. And then also to his business partner, uh, Tyler Butler with Sport and Culture is actually there. So he's our boots on the ground for that tournament, giving us uh, some really good coverage. He's uh, got a lot of really good stuff, sport and culture. It's like the and sign uh, on Facebook. I think he's on Twitter as well. Actually, he is on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow yeah. all that coverage that he has there from Greensville. It, it's in, isn't it? Uh, Green Greenville. Greenville. I almost said Greensboro, South Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. So, yeah, where he's from out there. And so a lot of really good coverage there. And um, I know we've had a couple of really good games already. But, again, over the weekend as we progress to see how far the Ladybacks make it, that'd be great for them to win their first ever SEC championship and their first conference championship since 1991 when they won the Southwest Conference. But, again, we'll have that coverage on Monday's show, kind of depending on what they do 
uh, in that. So moving on to baseball. Now the Razorbacks will play Murray State. The 7-0 and Hogs go in back to Bomb Walker against the 5-3 and Racers. Now they are on a four-game win streak, the Racers, that is, and they are coming off a 9-6 to beating of Arkansas State on, I believe that was Tuesday, that they played. And Kevin, you look at Murray State and – you know, again, they're they're five and three. Uh, they're a mid-major school, but you also look at what they're what they're able to do, especially at the plate. They've been, they've gotten sixteen doubles, which that that ranks top forty nationally. Eight home runs compared to Arkansas's eleven. They're in the top forty, so the Racers are in the top forty nationally there. So I'll tell you what, uh, they've got some decent pitching, and but we'll start at the plate. They can get they can get on base. Uh, they don't really. It doesn't seem like well, actually, I guess they're kind of decent amount of walks. They've got they've walked thirty times. And 43 RBIs. So, either way, uh, you saw a couple of guys last week. I know that Blazevic was a really good one for SEMO. And Jordan Cozart is the one to watch. He had a three-run homer against Arkansas State, batting 407 this year, a couple of home runs. Uh, he's a guy that can definitely get on base along with a couple of others in this lineup. Definitely, Jordan Cozart. And the thing about Murray State is they're an older team. This is going to be a team that's got a lot of fourth-year, fifth-year guys, a lot like TCU Jordan Cozart, one of those guys at second base. Uh, after the Arkansas State game, you have the average just a little bit. He's hitting 387 on the year with three home runs. Not a real big power team. They've got eight home runs, but like you said, they have 16 doubles. Another name to watch out for, Jacob Pennington over there at first base. He's hitting 333 on the year. David Huddleston, 286. Alex Crump, 286. Brennan McCullough, 286. Well-rounded lineup. You know, Huddleston at shortstop. He's a really good defender. And then you got um, another guy to look out for, Tanner Booth behind the plate. And that, like I said, Alex Crump, they've been splitting time back there. But they, they're they picked to finish fourth uh, by D1Baseball.com in their conference, the same Ohio Valley Conference that SEMO plays in. And this will give the Razorbacks, a, you know, a really good measuring stick of stepping up a little bit in competition. Going to be a little bit older team than what the Razorbacks are. Coach Van Horn had his weekly press conference and met with the media today. I was able to sit in on that uh, pitching rotation as we published earlier from the Razorbacks. We'll go Paulette on Friday, Caleb Bolden on Saturday, and Lyle Lockhart on Sunday. I do think Caleb Bolden will be better this weekend. He was only on three days rest last week, and he kind of really talked Coach Van Horn and Coach Hobbs into letting him start on Thursday. I think it's going to set up really well for him this weekend. And as we talked about, Paulette, you know, is the one if there's any – pitcher that is locked up being in a weekend series it's certainly him being your Friday night guy it looks like they're going to move at least for the immediate future now you've got the series with Louisiana Tech next weekend and then I think they play OU the following Tuesday before they begin SEC play against Alabama but Lockhart seems to be your guy for Sunday Pallet seems to be your guy for Friday and then he went with Bolden on Saturday what do you think now Bolden threw 27 pitches last Thursday as you mentioned he had, he was coming off a short rest and struggled a little bit what do you think made them go with him over Vermillion? The biggest thing is they wanted to get Vermillion back in his comfort zone. He'd walked six batters over seven innings, and that's not like Zeb. Uh, as Velo had been down, he'd been working 91 to 93. And as we saw last year, him coming out of the pen as a closer, he was up to 90, 94, 95, even top to 96. So they're wanting to get him back in his comfort zone to where he can really watch a game, let it come to him. Uh, and, you know, that's not saying he might not get the chance to start later on. It's just right now where they're at in this point in the season, he's going to be better served coming out of the bullpen. Caleb Bolden, like we said, he was only on three days rest. 
Lyle Lockhart, we talked about a little bit on Monday's episode. After the second inning, the rain really played a deal in footing, grip, everything. So he went through the first two innings with only 21 pitches and then labored a little bit after that. Paulette's been dominant, nine in the third inning pitch, 16 strikeouts and only two walks. So even he's only, you know, second year in college baseball, a COVID freshman is, is the label, but I think he can handle this. He, he can handle being a Friday night guy, number one guy. He's got that confidence. Nothing rattles him. He's athletic. He builds his position. He's going to be that guy that goes out there and with, with a little bit of chip on his shoulder because he was under-recruited, and he's going to prove that, look, I'm one of the best in the country, not just the conference or the state. I'm one of the best in the country, and he's going to go out there and prove it. And as far as uh, – I almost lost their names for a second – Patrick Wicklander and Connor Nolan, they pitched very well last week in relief roles. Do you think that we could see them early? And when I say early, I mean as in one of them being the relief guy first in for Paulette on Friday, and then the next one, whoever doesn't pitch on Friday night, comes in Saturday in relief of Bolden once he's done. Yeah, Coach Van Horn really talked about that as, you know, we got a lot of pitchers and we're going to have a lot of innings coming up. When they start playing midweek games, there's some weeks they're going to have five games to play. So you got 40, 40 to 45 innings that you got to get pitching for. They want their starters to be able to go five or six innings. That That's the goal right now because they have such a deep pitching staff, such a big bullpen that they don't have to rely on a guy to go seven or eight innings. Ole Miss has had all three of their starters coming back. Mississippi State was kind of in the same boat. They had two out of three coming back. So they can have a starter go out there for five or six innings, but if it doesn't happen like it had with Bolden last week, you do have a Wicklander or Connor Nolan that has the starting experience to come right in right away and just pick up and still give them a chance to win a series or even stay in a ball game like they did last week. So, yeah, do expect those guys to be in. Coach Van Horn did mention Blake Adams. That was a name last week that we talked about we haven't seen yet. The rain got them on Sunday. He was warming up to come in, so – Expect to see the three starters that we had the first weekend last year. I bet they all pitched some this weekend for the Razorbacks. Do you feel like DVH is trying, like what we had with Cronin now, it's extremely difficult to replace a guy like that from when we had had him. I guess the last season was 2019, but it seems that they're they're experimenting with a couple of different guys in that closer role. Right now, you would think that the guy that's probably the front runner, if they're going to go with a solid one, is Kevin Copps. He's really picked it up. I know we talked about him being a little bit inconsistent. There, uh, I think it was actually in the Texas Tech game that he struggled really bad, then came out and then was dominant against uh, TCU and has done pretty well since then, pitched pretty well against SEMO. So what do you think about that? Are they trying to get a set guy for that closer role, or do you think that it could just be a couple of different ones? I think they're still trying to figure it out. And if you remember the year that Matt Cronin had 14 saves, early in the year he was just another guy out of the bullpen, and he got hot and they rode that hot hand. You look at Zeb Vermillion, he was going to be in that role last year. The season got shut down, of course, but it's going to be matchup. They really thought going into week one it was going to be Elijah Trest, and it showed in the Texas Tech game. He came out there and threw three innings. He had a little bit of soreness, and we didn't see him last weekend, but Coach Van Horn said he was going to be available for Saturday or Sunday if they need him. I think Trest is one of those guys that, you know, his velo is going to be up there 95, 96. He's a big sturdy guy at 6'3", 215. So I, I would bet him, Cops. Cops is really that jack-of-all-trades. He can start a game, middle relief, long relief, and he can even close. 
they want they really want that power guy that's going to be and come and be real dominant at the end. That's always been the trademark of a closer. Louisville a couple of years ago had an All-American that was pumping 100, 101 up there at the plate. We don't have that. The closest thing we have is Jackson Wiggins at 98, which is not too bad if you ask me. Uh, so, yeah, they're still filling it out, you know, once they get all the roles established. And, of course, that could change throughout the year based on need. And that's what he said today. We had the luxury of going at this on a matchup by matchup basis. If we have two or three guys that we know we can put in there, that makes us even better as a club. And one of the biggest concerns, especially going into the SEMO series and then after game one until they finally got the bats hot there in the ninth inning and then walked off in the tenth, was the the lack of hitting. And then even though that we did pretty well for the most part, I know that, that Texas and TCU did a pretty good job against us, but of course you scored 13 runs against Texas Tech. Christian Franklin really turns it on. Colin Smith's done really good. Brady Slavens, uh, Caden Wallace has been pretty good at, at the plate as well. You've got some guys that really stepped up. You hit 10 home runs in the four-game series against SEMO. And so is there any other guys that you really expect to possibly step up? Maybe not immediately in this series, but as we move on and closer into conference play, are there some other guys that you're expecting to do more at the plate? And also, too, I wanted to ask about the go back to what we talked about on Monday's show about left field. Do you think that also as we get closer to the conference play against Alabama in that opening series that we could figure out a more consistent guy at left field, whether it's Braden Webb, the best defender, uh, if he just gets things going at the plate? Yeah, Coach Van Horn did say he's going to give Braden Webb the start tomorrow just so he can see if he can get him going. He is the best defender out there, best runner, and he hit really well you know, last year and then going towards the latter part of fall last year, he hit really well. So if they could get him going, they're going to give him every opportunity to do that because he provides the defense and the running ability out there. But like we said, Ethan Bates, he's got to get a little bit better defensively to play out there before he could be an everyday guy. So one of the guys I want you to look at, and I know this may be strange because he's a preseason All-American, is Robert Moore. Robert Moore come out, went one for nine his first series last year, and then really took off. He struggled a little bit so far. You know, his strikeout numbers are up there a little bit. Once he gets a little bit more consistent, he's been really good out of that leadoff role. And then Matt Goodhart right behind him, uh, I want to see him uh, the ability to spray the ball around the field and produce that power like we saw last week. I think you're got potential to see Matt Goodhart hit 10 or 11 home runs if he can stay healthy. Yeah, that was good to see him back in the lineup and came out and played pretty well. I wouldn't necessarily say that he's back to his – it's hard to say that he's back to his full strength just because, you know, again, not only did he have to deal with what he had to deal with, but also in a COVID season either. But, man, I'll tell you what, we've talked about it before, that Brady Slavens, the way that he stepped up and then also having Goodhart, it's a it's a great problem to have, but it's just going to be interesting to see. You can't help but be happy about that many bats in the lineup, but it will definitely be interesting to see how they go about that moving forward. And so this uh, this weekend series, you can catch the game. So the game one on Friday, which will be today, um, 3 o'clock, says the first pitch. That will be on SEC Network Plus. You can also catch it on TuneIn. 
listening to our friends Phil Elson and Bubba Carpenter. Saturday, first pitch at 1 o'clock, and uh, all these games will be on SEC Network Plus if you have those, and then it'll also be a 1 o'clock pitch on Sunday as well. Before we get into some Discord questions, I need to mention, Cable, I think we've forgotten to mention this on the last two or three shows about the spring practice. It starts on Tuesday, March 9th. I know you've told it to me, and I keep forgetting to put it in the notes, but that just goes to show, and we we mentioned about this in our group chat, just goes to show how great athletics are on the Hill right now. Not that we've forgotten about football, but it's not that we're just looking towards uh, that spring practice and fall practice and all this because we've got we've got a solid start for baseball. Softball did really well. I know that they on Thursday they uh, I don't think they walked off, but they scored six runs in the bottom of the yeah, sixth inning. Yeah. yeah, I mean that they're just hitting home runs galore, just all over the place. Coach Diefel's doing a phenomenal job there. Of course, you got all the success of the track teams. I mean, it is just, it is just a fun time to be a, a, an Arkansas fan right now, especially to be up on the hill. And so, spring football again will start on Tuesday, March 9th. And Cable, you might have to help me with this one. I know that they have fifteen practices and full pads. You can tackle in all those, right? Like you, you. It's not just like you can go out there and run some drills, like in those full pad practices. I know that sounds like a stupid question, but I, I know the rules are kind of all over the place. So those fifteen practices out of the month or so that you get. Those are reserved for full pad, full contact tackling. Yeah, it's, it's, it's full go, and we haven't seen any COVID restrictions or anything. And I know the governor is about to – looks like he's about to lift some of the restrictions. But, yeah, we haven't seen any specific – football-specific practice restrictions. It, it's full go. As much contact as they want to have, they can have it. Okay, cool. I, I, I thought that that's, that was the case. But then again, with the way the NCAA works, you just never know exactly – uh, what what could go down with that? And so, and the red white game that is scheduled for April seventeen. We're not sure of the location. It's pretty sure that it's going to be either at Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium or at War Memorial Stadium. But we still have not heard as of yet. And so that will uh, be updated accordingly as we get the news. But of course, we'll be talking about some of the headlines. What's well, probably what we'll focus on on Monday show more is some headlines. That'll probably be one of our segments where we talk about besides the everybody's wanting to talk about the quarterback battle we'll talk about some other things you know maybe some offensive line matchup battles or defensive line some more things that people just aren't quite talking about as much because you know that the main headline will be the quarterback battle going in and so all right before we head to a break we'll hit you i think we've actually got a few discord questions this week so let me cue the music here all right of course kelly marie is going to be the first one you can always depend on her let me go back to this here. So how far can the ladies make it in the SEC? Oh, man, I'll tell you. Cabo, I've said this before, too. I, I think that based on you got A&M, you've got Kentucky, Georgia's a really good team, which we had them on the ropes but lost to a, in a last-second layup. South Carolina, I just don't know if we can beat them. And then, of course, if you beat Ole Miss, you got Tennessee. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I'd be shocked – and again, I, I know that this. I'm going to get some flack for this. I'd honestly be shocked if they make it. They can maybe beat Tennessee, but I don't see them getting to the championship game and beating South Carolina in the semifinals. Uh, that's just man, Aaliyah Boston, just inside. Now, if we shoot 50, 55 percent, like they're capable of doing, then the sky is the limit. There's no telling. But I, I, as much as I love Taylor Thomas, I just don't know if that inside presence can keep up with Aaliyah Boston. It's hard to win four games in four days. And if you remember back to the 2008 season when they had the tornado at the Georgia Dome, Georgia won two two or three games in the course of two days. Like they had to play two in one day and they beat, you know, 
and Arkansas in the final. So, yeah, it's really tough to do. They're already going to be in the NCAA tournament as a higher seed, you know, at the top six, maybe seven. I don't think they'll slide too far up no matter what they do this week just because of the depth of the SEC this year. And if you look, a lot of the wins we've had haven't been really pretty wins. They just yeah. haven't. You know, the, the last game against Alabama, they stroked them on senior night, but it's been really tough down the stretch right here. And, you know, even though some of these teams haven't, you know, played as well as they had hoped to, it's still a rough ride just because of the depth of the SEC this year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. If they get to the semifinals, I think it's a success. And then she said, uh, Kelly's actually got a couple here, and I'll go ahead and answer all of the ones that she, she's got three more. Do you think the T- Texas A&M game will actually happen? I do think it will. I watched them against Mississippi State, and they actually didn't – Mississippi State's not a good team, but they didn't look terrible against Mississippi State. They just ran out of gas, and you would expect that, seeing as they hadn't played in like 32 or 33 days. So I do think the A&M game will happen. You never know. Uh, nothing is – it shocks me at all anymore, but I, I believe that – they will make it into Fayetteville, and we'll play that game. And then, so uh, this one is from Kelly, too, and then we also have the same one from AW99. Baseball series this weekend, how many bombs do you think that we'll get? I, I think that we'll hit – I don't think it's going to be near like last week. It's hard to, to replicate that. I think that we can put some runs on the board, but in terms of home runs, eh, I'll go with three or four on that. And then softball, can we go undefeated in the Classic this week? I think we definitely can. This team, if they don't beat people, they usually come back. They've proven that, especially last week. So I definitely think that the – so I'll repeat these again, Cabo. So the first one, do you think the A&M game will happen? How many bombs do we get this weekend? And do you think softball can go undefeated in the Classic? They will play A&M this weekend, and they'll beat them by 13 points. And I'm going to go with seven home runs on the oh. weekend. I think you got – yeah, I think you got some guys – that haven't hit yet that are going to be hitting really well this weekend. I think Robert Moore gets one. I think Braden Webb will run into one because they got you know some left-handed pitching that will match up really well. Um, and then don't be surprised if you got some of your, your regular bangers like Franklin, Slavens, and Wallace to jump on it. It's going to be a little bit warmer up there, so the ball is going to be flying a little bit better. Last weekend, it, you got a little, had a little cold snap up there, and the ball kind of died a little bit. But, yeah, I think the ball will be jumping out of Bomb Walker this weekend. And what was the third one? Uh, do you think that softball will go undefeated over the weekend? Yeah, if they can get past Drake, uh, which by the time this comes out Friday morning, they're playing right now. If they can come back on Drake, I think they have a shot to go undefeated on the weekend and make it. Well, that will be 14 straight they play for this weekend. Yes, 14 or fit. Yeah, they're, they've been yeah. incredible. Yeah, like I said, if they have not – if they have not beaten people, then they have certainly come back. It really doesn't seem what the deficit is. So, And Bamsey's got, if men's basketball goes, this is this is one I can already tell you the answer to. If men's basketball goes all the way and we are national champs, will you and Ty buy all of us a steak supper? I'll tell you what, um, get, us a, get us a few sponsorships and we will certainly work something out. I'll tell you what, each, each person that gets That's us a sponsor, right. you'll get some kind of, I'm not going to say it's a steak dinner, but you will uh, you'll get some kind of present. But no, like guys, uh, we always tell you we we certainly thank you for the support. And if we could, we would give all of you guys steak dinners and more. We uh, we we certainly appreciate all the support. The last one, maybe steak, maybe steak and shake. Steak and shake is that's that's definitely doable. I I can do that. That's what seven dollars a bag or something like that for a Probably. for a burger, fries, and a, a little small shake. I think we can handle that. And the final one's from Devin H. Hope I'm not too late. Now you're good on. Let's see. I wonder about the capacity of the spring game and when is the spring game. So the spring game is on April 17th. 
I would imagine that the same – now, of course, as you said, Cabo, Governor Hutchinson did release uh, that, that we're going to go to uh, not max capacity, but much more. It's, it's like around – what was it, 50%? Or, yeah, they're up they're up at 50%. Yeah, so it's, it, it, I couldn't remember if it was like 30 or 50. I was, had those two numbers in my head. So it'll be at 50, and I assume that that's going to be the exact same one now. Things could change because it's, it is in April – and the mask mandate, that whole thing. The only thing that's really still in place is the mask mandate. Businesses can still go as they please, yeah. and restaurants, all that stuff, gyms, whatever you want to call it, or whichever you want to think of. But um, basically, it's just, it just comes down to the mask mandate. So it, it's looking like it will be wherever the game is played, whether it be at War Memorial or Bud Walton, or not Bud Walton, D.W. Reynolds. Yeah. It, uh, yeah th- then it'll be. In fact, Bill, if we have 50%, that's 35,000. I mean, that would be phenomenal for a spring game. I think and, I was there one year when we had 51,000. Yeah, and you and you got to think that there's probably going to be a good bit. Now, look, spring games are really not all that fun. I, I've been to plenty of them. I went to Bobby Petrino's first one. I went to a few of Houston Nuts. And even though those guys were two totally different coaches, two totally different offenses, there really wasn't a whole lot of difference to me. I mean, you're not going to, you're just going to see guys basically throw the ball around. It is, and and I'm not trying to poo poo on it. It is nice to see it because you hadn't seen football in a few months at that point and you won't see it for a few months after that. So it will be a lot of fun, especially because we just haven't been able to do that. And so at least, uh, unless we had what, like, uh, what was it? 30 something or 25% capacity during the season, whatever it was. But we're up against the break. And again, Blake Lovell from Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook will be talking with us next. You're listening to the Hog, po- Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Networks. This release, find the exact shoe you're looking for through our friends at eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go for the pair you have been eyeing. eBay's authenticity guarantees your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators that verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. The guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. Selling fees have even been eliminated on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. 
We're back on episode number 171 of the Hog Talk podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line podcast networks. And now joining me on the Workman's Travel Center hotline is Blue Ribbon Yearbook Assistant Editor Blake Lovell. And Blake, appreciate you taking some time out. Always enjoy talking with you. And happy March. I know it is your favorite time of the year, and it's an extra special time for Razorback fans, as we know our hogs will be back in the big dance. But I can imagine with you being in the Nashville area, the SEC tournament being there, and it get, getting taken away after just one game last year, it's got to be pretty exciting for you. Yeah, as always, Cal. I appreciate you having me on. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it's different. I think, you know, it's just this season's been so wild. But then I think back, I'm like, well, where are we at a year ago? Like, we're just kind of – we had no idea, like, what was next. And so – um yeah it's it's been a, a wild season as you know and um the sec tournament always is, is interesting but i think this year just based on you know how teams are playing really outside of alabama and arkansas i mean i think that the rest of it is kind of up in the air in terms of uh, what we could see at the tournament so well, in the last time you and I spoke around the end of January, Arkansas had just began what is now a 10-game win streak. I think they had just beaten Auburn for the second time and beaten Vandy. And we weren't really sure what they could become then because you hadn't really had a big win at that point. And here we are about to play the regular season finale against Texas A&M, assuming they don't cancel for the third time. We've clinched the number two seed in the SEC tournament. And depending on who you ask, they could be anywhere from a three to five seed in the big dance. And I think we all knew that they would get it together at some point and could possibly finish in the top four of the conference. But did you think that they would be at this point as the number two seed and getting really high up there for Joe Lenardi and a bunch of other national analysts? Yeah, I think it was all about the chemistry um, as the season went along. I, I always said with Arkansas, it was one of those things where almost deceptive how many new guys were going to be in the rota- rotation this year because, you know, I think people look at, like, experience rankings and that kind of stuff and say, well, they have seniors or, you know, they have upperclassmen. Well, you have to remember, like, most of these guys weren't playing there last year, and so um, that's a, nothing unusual with Mus. Like, he, he knows how to work that that transition for those guys because he's done it so much before um, when he was in Nevada and, and you know, all of that. So um, I think it was just a matter of playing more games. I really do with this team. I, I kept thinking you saw them, you know, get close at some of those games. Although, as we know, like really, if you look at that two and four SEC start, some of those games were close, like they got blown out. And I think that was one where you started to see some things, though, even in some of those games, you're just thinking, all right, maybe this is one of those teams that really just needs more games to, to have more on-court time together. And, you know, again, going back to the offseason, you didn't have a normal offseason. And so I thought it was just a matter of them playing more games. And as we've seen, the conversation has gone from Arkansas can't beat a good team to now. It's like, well, no one can beat Arkansas. And, um, you know, they're beating good teams now. One of the things I brought up uh, today was – I, th- I think we also can't overlook what they did to South Carolina and what they've done to other teams. Um, if you can beat bad teams the way that Arkansas beat South Carolina, I'm sometimes just as impressed with that as I am maybe, you know, getting a close win against a, an average team uh, because that that's what you're supposed to do. There, there's no reason, even with South Carolina winning that game at Georgia, Arkansas is way better than South Carolina as a team right now. So I thought for them to go in and get the kind of win that they got, um, that to me just added another layer on what you, like you said, I mean, this is already an impressive streak, but, but I think that just added an extra element to it. And you talked about last season and with Mason, without Isaiah Joe or Mason Jones, if they were not available, it was pretty much guaranteed almost that it was going to be a long night. 
But now there's a solid starting five with plenty of help from the bench, as we saw against South Carolina. He talked about that blowout. I'm at the point where I do believe that this team – I was trying not to drink the Kool-Aid until we beat Alabama. I really started to believe a lot more. But I think that we can and should be playing in the second weekend for the first time since 1996. But is it crazy to think about that they could possibly be a Final Four sleeper? No, I don't think so. And, you know, I think it's always about matchups in the NCAA tournament. You know, it's just – it's so hard to know exactly how to project the team until – you know where their bracket is because, you know, it's like, well, what if Arkansas winds up as a, as a four or something and they get stuck with, with Gonzaga, like, you know, in the sweet 16 or whatever, like it's impossible to know, but if you just base it off of playing style, how a team's playing, um, I do think momentum accounts for something. I know not everyone believes in that sometimes, but I do think it's important, especially probably in a season like this, where there's just so many different dynamics at play that aren't usually there. Um, I think there, there's something to that. And I think you could even also make the argument right now that Arkansas is playing better than Alabama. I mean, Arkansas is probably playing better than anyone in the SEC just based on what they're doing. And that's not to take anything away from Alabama. They, they've won, what, 14, 15 of their 17 SEC games. Um, they, they deserve to be the regular season champions. But if you're just talking about teams that are playing well and probably more impressive at this point, I think you look at Arkansas and say, well, I don't see anyone else in the SEC that's playing as well as they are. And so if you took that into a tournament setting, um, you just got a team that doesn't really think they can lose right now. And that's a dangerous thing uh, to be playing around with if you're an opponent. So I do like, I think there's a chance that they could run the table in Nashville, win the SEC tournament. I think in that scenario, um, my guess is seed wise, they may still wind up as a three, even though I think it's very plausible that you could make the argument that if Alabama and Arkansas met in the SEC championship game, both teams could, could earn their way into the two line. The only reason I would say that maybe even if Arkansas were to beat Alabama in that scenario, I think knowing that the committee usually kind of puts their bracket together before the SEC championship game, um, that may be something that potentially holds Arkansas back, let's say, in that scenario uh, from a two seed and, and staying with three. Either way, you're going to be set up in good shape. If they just win the games they're supposed to win and, like I said, even get to the SEC um, semifinal or the championship game, I think they're a three seed, and I think they're probably sitting in a really good spot uh, to have a pretty deep run in March. And, Blake, Jalen Tate was one of your grad transfers who's been particularly good on the defense, causing fits for the opposing team's best guard. The last two games, probably his two worst in a Razorback uniform, combined four points, one of seven shooting, and his minutes decreased quite a bit. Now, of course, that also had a lot to do with how on fire Moses Moody, Desi Seals, and J.D. Note were. But if it, it really wasn't a factor because of the play of those three, they shot so well. Plus, you also had 22 points from Justin Smith. But I want to focus on J.D. Note for a second. We know he's primarily a, a scorer. He's gotten you points all year, but many frustrations to come with that. He's taken some bad shots, which that's what some shooters are going to do. But he really picked it up over the last couple of games, and it seems like they've, that he has finally taken it seriously that if you're going to get minutes for Coach Muss, you've got to play D. So I was going to ask you earlier when I was thinking about this, I was going to ask you if it's a concern that Jalen seems to have taken a drop-off, but it seems if somebody does take a drop-off that you got one or two guys right there stepping up. Well, and I think that's why Alabama and Arkansas are where they are is because they're the deepest teams in the league in terms of just their overall rotation to where, you know, if there are certain guys that don't play well, you've got two, maybe three other guys that you feel like can step up in those spots. And I think with him, it's the same case where, like you said, he stepped up 
here in terms of what he's done these past couple games. Um, maybe wasn't as consistent anywhere near that uh, during that, you know, a pretty long stretch here over the past, I guess, what, month or so. Um, but I think that's it is that also takes off some of the pressure, I think, for some of these guys um, that, that are in new spots. Because, again, we're talking about someone like Note who, yeah, he, he was there last year, but, you know, this is for his first season actually playing. And it's a completely different dynamic than just being there. Um, and sitting out and then stepping into this kind of role. And like you said, I think on the defensive side, that's another reason why, you know, Alabama and Arkansas are at the top of the SEC is that both of them are very good defensive teams. And so if you're going to play minutes, you got to be able to play defense because, you know, we kind of know where both those teams rank nationally in terms of of their defensive efficiency and all that. They're both in top 15. I think Arkansas is 13 now. Bama, I think, still a three. But um, like that's it. Like that. That's how you win. And, and they've kind of proven that formula in terms of how they're winning. This is a team that can score. They've got so many different guys um, that that really can contribute on the offensive end. But if you can also kind of bring it on the defensive end, which they've done really for the most part, when you look back at it, uh, especially over these past four games or so, um, they, they've really brought it. And I think that's where they they have everything going. I think this is a team that I've said so many times this year. I just don't, if you have to pinpoint a weakness with Arkansas, I'd love to know what it is because I I think it's really hard to kind of find what is that overwhelming weakness that we see with some of these teams that we think maybe are pretenders going into March versus contenders. If you just look at the numbers, like I I don't see anything that just completely stands out in terms of saying, well, this is going to be that one thing that holds them back because you know what? We could make that case against teams like Tennessee because they can't score LSU. They can't play defense. Um, and you go up and down the line, but like, that's why you look at them and say, I think they can, you know, win multiple games, at least in the NCAA tournaments. Cause I think you look at this team, they've got the rotation, they've got, you know, a player of the year candidate, in my opinion, and Moses Moody, um, certainly freshman of the year candidate. Um, and then, like you said, you've got guys like no Tate, Jalen Tate, Justin Smith, Desi seals, go down the line. Um, you've got so many different guys that can contribute in a lot of different areas. One of those guys we haven't mentioned is Connor Vanover. I know that last time we spoke, we were trying to figure out what the place was for him on this team. There were some games that he would be in there for the first two or three minutes. They'd figure out that they were just not running things schematically that made sense for him to stay in there. His points have dipped off a little bit over the last two or three games. I know right there for a little bit, he was scoring between 9 and 13 for a consistent few games. But he's doing more. He's getting rebounds. He's blocking shots. He's a little bit more aggressive, it seems. Actually, quite a bit more aggressive to what from what he was. What is your take on him from the last time that we had talked? You know, January twenty fifth, twenty sixth, whatever it was, a month, a month and a half later, and he's made that kind of progress. Yeah, I mean, when you're seven three, and I think we talked about this last time. Um, you know, you're, you're you're gonna add something, and even if it's not just if you're not filling up the stat sheet your presence on the floor is still going to impact the game. I don't care who you are um, because, you know, it's just, it's a size thing. And, and I think like you, you mentioned it specifically him blocking shots, like him blocking some of the shots he's blocked. Like that's the difference in winning and losing. Maybe some of these games, even though he's not necessarily scoring, you know, 25 a game or 15 a game or anything like that, but like his blocks and his rebounds, um, some of those different things, like those are the things that add up throughout the course of a game. Um, you know, that, that he's able to bring to the table. And so I think that's that's what we talk about, too. That plays into the depth that this team has. He doesn't have to be someone that scores. He doesn't have to be someone that plays, you know, 35-plus minutes a game. He just has to be someone that can do what, you know, Connor Van Over can do, and that's block shots, 
rebound, use his size to impact shots on, you know, the defensive side of the floor. And if he can do all those things consistently, um, he's going to give you, you know, that's what you want. Like that's, that's the reason he's on the floor is to be able to do those things and be a guy that can step out and maybe knock down a shot from the perimeter uh, at his side. So I think that's the way you look at it with him. His numbers aren't going to be, you know, what Moses Moody or Jalen Tate or any of those guys are on a game by game basis, but there may be certain spots where you can plug him in and he's going to really be able to bring something very valuable against a certain team and a certain matchup uh, and those kind of things. And I think that's probably the way you look at him moving forward. I can tell you right now, if I draw Arkansas in the NCAA tournament and I'm a mid-major team or something, and I don't have a ton of size, I sure don't want to be playing a team that's got a seven foot three guy out there um, that can do some of the things that he can do. So that's something too, that, that I think that Arkansas could certainly use to an advantage in those kind of scenarios. And for all the players that have met or surpassed expectations, one who has not had that much production, a guy that I actually, it, whenever we figured out what this team was going to look like in, uh, I guess, last summer, I had Vance Jackson in my starting five, my way too early starting five. What do you think has gone wrong right there? I know that he was a pretty highly touted player coming out of New Mexico, can stretch the floor to play at just about any position. Do you think maybe that just with the step up from other guys and, and the competition that he has, it's been a tough adjustment or maybe just a situation where it just hadn't been the right fit? Yeah, I think transit, that transition is something where, you know, normally we find ourselves talking about the guys who make that transition and, you know, oh, this guy, you know, it didn't matter that he was at this school or that school. He just completely jumped to this other one and, and you know, he, he made such a huge difference. Well, I mean, look, it's for, for a guy like this, I mean, he came from New Mexico, what, he started his career at, what was it, UConn, I think. Um, yes, that's and, correct. And, you know, yeah, you know, it just hasn't, for, for whatever reason, like the fit just hasn't been there. But I don't even know if it's the fit. I think it's just at some point, you know, you find your guys that, that you're sticking with. And, and as many guys that are playing well, I mean, think of all the guys we've already mentioned. It's like, you know, you only have five guys on the floor at one time. And I think, you know, obviously there, there's always those situations where some guy just finds himself as the odd man out. And that's kind of what we've seen, um, especially here, you know, late. I know he, he played a bit. Uh, early on and, and even those first uh, several SEC games, you know, I had a couple good games in there, but um, yeah, I think it's just that scenario where at some point, you know, it's a, it's a competitive thing. And um, you know, it's just, we, we've seen other guys step up in other areas and, and have that opportunity. And when they've gotten those opportunities, they've taken advantage of it. And so um, sometimes when that happens, it's hard to kind of get your minutes back. And, and that may just be the case for him. And like we said, we're about a week away from the SEC tournament beginning and Alabama won the regular season SEC title fair and square outright. But I think there's very strong arguments for both Arkansas and Alabama of who is the better team right now. I know that right now with Arkansas on that 10 game win streak, they're the easy choice for some people, but I don't think there's any question that they are at the top two right now. Then you've got, you know, Florida at that third spot. And then some people would say LSU. There's all kinds of different arguments. But LSU's dropped off a good little bit there. Ole Miss is a team that's picked it up. Kentucky has played much better, at least, than what they were playing early on in the SEC. Well, of course, at the end of non-conference, but also an early season SEC play. Who are some of your your teams to watch that maybe nobody's talking about that's kind of coming out of nowhere as we get into the SEC tournament? That's the million-dollar question because I, outside of Alabama and Arkansas, I have no idea what you're going to see from the other 12 teams, which we know Auburn's not going to be in there. But um, still, they're they're in that category. If you just have no idea, I think, what you're going to get on a night-in and night-out basis from any of these teams. And that's what – you know, I feel like we say that every year, 
but I really think this year the number is much higher than I thought it would be. I thought we would know what we were getting from Tennessee. I thought we know we were getting from Kentucky or an LSU teams like that, but we just don't um, because we talked about it with Arkansas. Like, I don't think you can just pick Arkansas apart and say, that's that flaw that's going to prevent them from getting to this deep spot, potentially in the NCAA tournament. You could find that flaw with LSU. You can find that flaw with Tennessee. You could find that flaw. Let's say a team like Ole Miss were to find their way back into this conversation. I don't think they are right now, but um, you know, if they get back in the NCAA tournament bubble or something, um, they can't, you know, they struggle on offense and Missouri, like, I don't know what to make of Missouri now because they're up and down. Um, And so it's just like, that's the thing with all these different teams is I don't know what separates any of those teams from the other. Uh, I think Florida you know, at times I look at Florida and say, man, I really want to completely invest in them. But then at other times I'm like, I don't know. Like they're, I don't know. Like even, you know, you and I are recording right now, they're playing Missouri and Missouri's up, you know, in the second half. And so who's going to win that game? Like, that's just another example. I think of uh, most people probably pick Florida to win that game. And if for some reason Missouri does win, well, that changes your expectations a little bit on Florida. So I'll say this and I I've, I've already got, you know, I've said this last week and of course they turned around and just, we saw the defense they played at Bud Walton, but for some reason I am still enamored by LSU. I don't know why Um, people keep joking with me about it, but I just see the individual talent that's on the floor and it's hard to just look away and not be impressed by what, you know, Cam Thomas, Trenton Wofford, Javante Smart, Darius Days can do at times, but then you watch how they play defense, and you're like, how could I ever trust that team uh, just based on how they play on that side? And I want to think a similar thing for Tennessee. I want to think that they will find a way to figure it out on offense, but having watched that game against Auburn, um, I don't know if they're going to get there because they haven't played good offense in a long time. And so that's the thing is I think it really is. To me, if it's not Alabama and Arkansas in the SEC championship game, Normally, I think we would be able to pick out some of these sleeper teams a little bit better and feel like, okay, I could see that upset here or there. But I just think right now, those two teams are ahead. I mean, they're they're way ahead, I think, of the next group of teams. Um, and, you know, you could look at the record and feel like you could say that. But I think it's those two. And if you ask me who I think it's going to be from the other group, I have no idea because I, I couldn't say that a team like Mississippi State – um, you know, Ole Miss, could Kentucky make a run? I'm sure they could. Like, that's the thing. Is there, of the 3,400 people that are going to be in that arena, I guess they're allowing in with fans. Uh, 3,100 may, may be Kentucky fans. They may still come. I don't know. Um, so that's the thing is I can't say with any confidence that I think anyone other than Alabama or Arkansas is going to have a chance to win that tournament um, just because I, I, there's been so much inconsistency with these other teams. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to bring up about Mississippi State is I understand he doesn't have Kevin Love or Russell Westbrook or anything, but Ben Howland's a multiple-time Final Four Final Four coach. Yeah. So, you know, he can coach, and, then I, and I wanted to go back, too, to the whole trust factor with LSU. You know, they say you are – who your coach is and FBI tapes show me that uh, can't trust Will Wade. I got to take a shot at him every, every chance I get. I just can't stand that guy. No, but LSU does have a lot of talent. I completely agree with you. That was one of the things I actually had a LSU beat writer on during football season, the week we played them and off air, he was telling me that they were going to be number one. You just wait. And uh, so I've been giving a little bit of jabs to him. Shouts to Preston guy, my, my guy from tigerbait.com. But 
We've been talking with Blake Lovell, the editor of Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. And Blake, you also started a new podcast. I know you're a busy guy. You do a lot of things. Didn't you start a new podcast recently? I know you've had the Marching to Madness which for years, which I know you've yeah. stepped off from a little bit, but you also have a new one for uh, 14 Southeastern. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, Chris Lee, who's uh, covered the SEC and uh, Vanderbilt for a long time, he and I have kind of just uh, gone into to business together, I guess you could say, uh, launching our new uh, SEC site and daily SEC podcast over at uh, southeastern14.com. Um, yes, you know, we, we've talked a lot of basketball in the past, but now uh, pretty excited to be able to we're really diving deep into SEC baseball. We'll get SEC football going here soon. Uh, and, of course, we're talking SEC basketball. So, yeah, we're covering the big three uh, in the SEC and just um, doing our daily podcast. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of written stuff coming. It's sort of this, this is the start. It's, we just launched a website and all that stuff. But uh, we got a lot of great stuff uh, on the way in terms of uh, just what we're planning out for the future. So, yeah, pretty exciting time uh, for, for SEC fans, I know, especially SEC baseball fans. Um, off to a great start. So, yeah, lot, lots to talk about over there at southeastern14.com. Yeah, and you can find them on Twitter. I know a lot of us listening use that at 14, so the number. And then Southeastern, you can also find – yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. I, was, I know you plugged the website, which, of course, is on there too, and then you can find their podcast anywhere you listen. And, of course, you can find Blake at the Blake level on Twitter. Blake, always appreciate it, man. I appreciate you hopping on with me. No, you got it, Kyle. Thanks for having me, man. Well, that will do it for episode number 171 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Guys, again, please be sure and rate, review, subscribe to the pod if you have not already. Other than that, we will see you next week. Go Hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.